0: This episode is brought to you by Codebase Edinburgh, the UK's largest technology incubator, home to over 90 companies who have collectively raised over half a billion dollars in investment. It is the centre of the tech scene in Edinburgh City. And just in case you want to know a little bit more about them, their reception is always open on number 38 Castle Terrace. That's Monday to Friday, 9am to 5pm. Hey everybody, welcome back to In The Lab, creative conversations with creative people, namely dyslexic people, and also anybody on the neurodiverse spectrum. Today's episode is titled Just Illustrate, and my guest for today's episode is Laura Cave-McGowan, who is an illustrator and art therapist. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Today I'm with... Uh, Laura and we are talking about Laura's dyslexic, like myself, um, and we are talking about illustration and dyslexia and a whole lot of things that um, come with that, but Laura, would you introduce yourself to everybody?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, as Smart said, I'm Laura, um, I'm an illustrator, I'm dyslexic, and I'm also an art therapist. Yeah, that's me.
0: Okay. so. I'll just jump into the first, into the first question. Well, okay, a little bit of background story. Laura, you and I met at the... This actually Scotland. Was it the AGM? Yeah, it was. Annual thing? Kind of
1: in a distance. I didn't really realise what was happening that day, but, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and you, I think you were... Were you the main, main speaker at uh, the time?
1: Alistair. Was it Alistair Lowe was there as well?
0: Alistair was there, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was you and then it was Alistair. Yeah. 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 Um, and that was really cool because I think... It was such a what's the word i'm looking for broad spectrum of of, of different experiences yeah definitely. like he was into like gaming and all of that stuff and games design and stuff and then you were into therapy and using that with illustration and working with, with kids and stuff um so my first question is going to be a light one so i would say what <laughs> do you think is the funniest moment you've had um up to To today, or like overall, in terms of like, with my
1: in just in general, or with my dyslexia, either
0: either all, either all. Like, how do you feel (sighs) like you've had any funny moments because of dyslexia in your work?
1: I've had lots of strange moments being a therapist and doing kind of group supervision and trying to explain what's going on in my head when somebody's talking about a client. So they'll present like what's happening in the room with the child and my head, doesn't go into theoretical it never has it goes into image base and I'll start to almost go off into fantasy land so luckily I ended up working for colleagues for like for five years so they knew me so I'd share a story or a fantasy about what was happening okay and one time it was about a greenhouse and some sunflowers and everybody was just looking at me and it was like my first (laughs) I think it was like my first or second day on the job okay and I was like who have we employed? And I could see my boss looking at me. I was like, oh. (laughs) And there was another time I spoke about a squashed hedgehog. And it's just where my brain goes. It's how I then can get back around to saying, oh, so I wonder if this is happening. So, yeah, there's lots of, there's not one specific thing. I think there's lots of strange little moments Mm -hmm. that I just laugh and I giggle at. And I have ways of managing things that, if I find things stressful, like we would have not stressful it's not the right word, hard work. We'd have like two-hour meetings and I would tune out. Um, I don't know if you do that. But yeah, yeah. One, it, one
0: hour is my cap.
1: Yeah, when it's intense and your boss is sat there with this kind of regime regime of hard stuff that you kind of got to go through. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no. So, um, oh, my friend might not be happy that I say this. So I just jokingly said that these meetings are pants one day. Right and oh, um, and then I bought us a pair of pants and then okay. it became a ritual, that sounds really weird, but we bought each other stupid pants and would wear them to the meeting each time and that's what got us through the meetings.
0: That's really cute. So
1: it's just stupid things like that, it's yeah. just, yeah, so. yeah. funny.
0: So do you do you feel like in your work life, has dyslexia been something that you're, you feel like your work colleagues have found challenging in terms of dealing with you or like if you're working on specific cases together and you have to reference different material as you're working on?
1: Um, I don't think it's been difficult. I think it's kind of just interesting because it's just people getting to know me and how I think very differently. But actually, I'd say it's been really useful Okay. Um, because it does bring a completely different way of looking at something Mm -hmm. and it's kind of added to working with the clients we're working with or on the one-to-one and I I think I probably go quite light-hearted a lot of the time so some of the subjects we can be dealing with can be really quite challenging because there's a lot of trauma. Um, And Mm. so I'll take it off into a bit more of a, not making a joke of it, but more of a fantasy which allows somebody the possibility to escape the harder feelings to come back and look at, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So, yeah, I think it's, for me, it's a total positive. It's the only way I know. And nobody's ever complained and said I'm awful to work with yet. (laughs) (laughs) So wait for that one and see.
0: (laughs) So, um, So explain... In, a, in I guess in as much detail as you can, that, is that a good question? No, explain, so tell <laughs> tell everybody what you do, basically, is what I mean.
1: Okay, well, um, I guess I'm kind of split, so one part of my week I'm an illustrator, um, but the other part um, I'm an art therapist, okay. or the other title is art psychotherapist, and I've okay. been doing that for like, oh years. 13 years. Okay. Um, Yeah, so I work with children uh, and young adults um, with varying different backgrounds, levels of trauma, emotional, physical, um, yeah, and i work with them using art and play okay. um so creative ways of exploring expressing what's happening for them but we don't directly talk about it um they'll play about it and we'll discover their story through play because it's safer for them so okay. it's just is a lovely way of working um it can be really hard going but okay. yeah i don't know if i already encapsulates it it's quite hard to say but there's different types of therapists you get. You'll get a person-centered therapist, okay. uh, which I am. So that means if you were say to come and see me smart, I wouldn't be asking you loads of questions, <laughs> like we are, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> totally opposite. Um, no, I would be say, waiting for you to tell me what you want to. Okay. and then been picking up on that. So I'm noticing you said that to me. So I'm wondering, how does that make you feel in that moment? When else have you felt that in your life? Okay. Or if we're not directly talking about your player, I'm noticing that dinosaur was jumping on that dinosaur. I wonder how he's feeling. I'm wondering if that dinosaur could go anywhere. Where could he go? Okay. So it's just, it's complete play and fantasy and creativity to allow somebody to be able to explore their trauma in a safe environment so. that's really yeah, cool yeah.
0: how do you find it is working with uh you said young young mm. uh, young young adults is that the right yeah, word young adults, yeah, young yeah, adults. Yeah, yeah. How, what's the experience like getting them to want to be obviously creative and disappear into mm-hmm. the fantasy worlds that they probably grew up with but it's like oh, I'm now. I'm trying to be or be into whatever they're into?
1: It's quite challenging, um, but it depends also on if they have um, a diagnosis of Mm. sorts or um, if they do, then sometimes... Also, sometimes if they're traumatised, they can be physically one age, but mentally and emotionally they can right, be a okay. lot younger so actually therefore it's a lot easier to access that um but also in saying that some of the wee ones that i've worked with don't know how to play um, because oh. they have no sense of imagination because they've been in fight or flight the whole time okay. that they've okay. been in survival mode that they don't actually know what a sandpit is they don't actually know oh how to escape into any sort of fantasy land so even though you might think the young adults are challenging mm-hmm. in the sense of can they play the young ones can be just as much it depends on the breadth and depth of okay. trauma that they've had, that really. had. Okay. yeah yeah yeah
0: but. And, and um do you so when you when you obviously you have to like play imaginary with them so yeah. what's that like because obviously it must be really fun that part of your work is getting to be a kid too mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's, it's awesome, but you've got to do one foot in and one foot out. Okay. So okay. that's an image I always hold in my head, um, just to keep myself checked in. <laughs> um, because you do a session for like 45 minutes, okay. and it can fly in. Depending what's happening, it can fly in. Oh. Um, and so like you can be playing, I don't know. You could be playing catch, or you could be slamming clay on the table, shouting words of whatever the child wants to shout. Mm -hmm. Or you might be building a tower of Lego and then destroying it. So you're kind of like...
0: That's pretty cool, (laughs) that sounds really cool. It it
1: is pretty awesome, but then you've got to be really aware that, yes, you're in the play, but also you're the professional in there and you've got to be saying the right thing Mm -hmm. at the right time and watching the child's reaction in it, whilst also looking at the time, keeping the child safe, being aware of child protection. It's kind of, you've got this kind of...
0: Balancing out.
1: Yeah, yeah. It is really fun, though. Just, yeah, it's pretty magical sometimes. That's so cool. That's really
0: cool. I was gonna ask you, um, how did you get into? Well, how did you get into illustration, and then how did you get into into therapy? Ah,
1: That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, so, interestingly, I originally studied fine art. So, oh, okay, nothing to do. I Another did... fine
0: art major. Yeah. I think. <laughs>
1: um, so I did that, and then I left that and moved here sunny old Edinburgh as it is today okay. um, and was very lost and spent a while in catering um, and met lots of people uh, which was very cool and got into some studios when it used to be ooh, New Street before they got knocked down which is oh, wow, which then? is pretty awesome um, and then I don't really know why I told you that bit because it's not really that important to the other bit um, but worst was seems things- to be a
0: pattern though amongst <laughs> dyslexic people at least in terms of who's been on the show because Anna's Anna mentioned doing, like bed and breakfasts and mm-hmm. hospitality stuff. I was laughing when stuff. she was saying
1: she was running down the street with sheets because I was thinking, I remember when I was studying that I was studying part time, but mm. I was working in an after school club, managing the after school club. But then I'd be working in a cafe up in Marchmont at the time called Toast. But I'd also oh, be right. doing um, people's cleaning and going in and look at. So that's why I was that's laughing at funny. Anna. And I remember there was this <laughs> basket of laundry and the woman had said to me, don't wash that one.
0: Okay. And I washed that and one. And you washed and it? It was the
1: delicates. And it was like one of these like really big Georgian townhouses where okay. they had lots of money and really nice clothes. And I, I shrunk everything. <laughs> Oops. So, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, sorry, off-tangent, but, yeah, yeah. I totally recognised what Anna was saying. Yeah, balancing act. But, yeah, whilst I was in catering... I was chatting away to somebody. They said, what do you want to do? I had no idea. And they said, my friend has done art therapy. And I was like, what's that? Do you want to go for a cup of coffee with them? All right, then. So that was the start of the art therapy journey. A cup of coffee, um, a chat. They knew that I like working with kids. Okay. Um, And she did a mock interview. And I thought, I'll go for it and I'll see what happens. Okay. And I got in. And you have to be... At the time, you had to be 25. I somehow managed to get in at 23. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, which was pretty cool. And yeah, did the whole interview process and then baptism to fire. It's the most theoretical thing I've ever done in my life. So yeah, I was like, why have I chosen to do this? But yeah, that's how I got into art therapy oh, anyway. Therapy. That's really
0: interesting. Yeah.
1: And then whilst I was doing that, I did no art practice. And I didn't do any art okay. practice for about two years after I qualified. Um, and then when I did put pen to paper, my work had shifted okay. majorly. It had gone into illustration style, something I didn't recognise. I was quite embarrassed of. I was like, this isn't what I used to do. I used to be like graffiti and like street art was my thing, but wow. trying to conceptualise it and be clever like you do okay. when you're doing fun art um, but <laughs> or trying to get the marks. Um yeah, it just went to this really weird place, and I was like, oh, I don't understand what's happening. So it started me on a bit of a journey um, that's kind of, I would say, developed a lot in the last four or five years. And I did my master's in illustration. Okay. Um, and that just kind of escalated it and gave me permission to play for two years. For two years, wow. Which was awesome. Okay. So, yeah, sorry, that was a really long answer
0: to that question. No, it's a, it's a, it's a good answer because it gives, I think it, it it helps to give people an insight into um, who you are, what you do, why you do what you do, which mm-hmm. I think is always a big thing for people because I know there's a lot of people who enjoy listening to the, to the podcast that are, like, pre-going into career or they're, like, finishing high school, going into college. It's like, what yeah. do I do? How do I do this if I want to, like... Do what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's 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 really helpful. One of the things that I was going to ask you is where does your inspiration come from? Because you do some really amazing like uh, like in illustration pieces that have so many parts of them. Like the the piece that you did that was supposed to represent like was it the brain? Hmm. And then it had.
1: <laughs> it was wool wrapped. It the was wool balloon. wrapped, <laughs> and I yeah. the balloon. Yeah, um, yeah. That's playing. That is it's just pure play that's okay. something I've always done and I was always encouraged to do my auntie was an art teacher and I spent most of my time oh, okay. um, with her as a kid and we used to play all the time um, whether it was building castles and tipping sugar over it because it was snowing it was just like permission just to <laughs> okay. do whatever you wanted and that's always stayed with me I I don't think our I hope that never goes away um, yeah I was just like oh, I've seen people do this with Christmas decorations. Wouldn't that be really cool if I did it on a big scale? Mm-hmm. So you kind of walked into our kitchen at the time and there was like 10 of these things hung from the ceiling. Oh my gosh. And Phil, my husband came home, what is happening? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> because I have a studio, but I don't tend to contain myself in the studio. I right. tend to stretch slightly. Okay. So, yeah, but, yeah, in terms of inspiration, I, I don't know. It's just in my head and it just happens. Really? And I'm just like, <laughs> no, th- and sometimes I think it's like, wouldn't it be cool if I could do that? I wonder if I could do that. Is that a possible? I don't know. Stop thinking about it. Just do it. Just stop thinking about it. And like this morning, I was trying to build the layers of the rainforest. And I was like, any more depth there? Any more depth there? Oh no, I need more depth there? How many bits of foam board is that? Oh, I don't know. And it's like ending up that you're piling up six bits of foam board, like minute, tiny ones. And I'm like, oh, this is gonna wobble. What do I need to do? <laughs> so it's for okay. me. I like that problem-solving
0: mm-hmm.
1: thing. So yeah.
0: So do, you, do you do you find that you've you've visualized everything that you want? Well, at least the core of what you wanna do before you do it? Or do you find like you need to write notes? Cause I, I've noticed that every, like each person that has this actually has like a different work process. Like mm-hmm. some people like to plan and others just do. And it's like, they've already thought about it all in their head. So how do you feel like it works for?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a good, that's kind of my um, anxiety and fear crux a little bit though you've spoken to, which is really interesting. Okay. If I just do, I'm fine. Okay. Okay. I don't just do though, I overthink and right. panic and worry then that I can't do it and then that voice of, you're not good enough, you can't do this, this right. is a stupid idea, what you're thinking about, mm-hmm. creeps in. So I've had to learn that I do a very quick sketch, I do a bit more of a detailed sketch and I use a blue pen so I can figure out where the layers are going to be Okay. and then I've got to sit and do everything in detail. But once I stop procrastinating, drinking coffee, taking the dog for a walk, <laughs> deciding that it's like yeah. rainy outside, so I should really watch a film. Right. Because that would be better for me. Um, once I just dive in, I'm okay. Okay. But yeah.
0: That was really cool because I... It's funny because I was speaking to... Um, I think it was Alistair. And I, I asked him a similar question. And, I, and he he was saying that he... What's funny is he does a little bit of illustration too, because he, mm. he studied he studied art and design. So he was speaking about how he sketches, but he said usually he's already thought of the idea and then he sketches it and then like improves upon it. Mm-hmm. Which is totally different to me, because I I usually I've come up with the idea and then I just do it. And it's like I figure it out as I go mm-hmm. along, which is the worst way to to work on any project or um but is it though? Because is
1: that not where all the cool What's things a, happen? A it, it's right. like that alchemy bit that I always like, that I always talk about. You get, like I would say, the Venn diagram and then the middle bit is the alchemy where the two parts come together and the magic happens in the mm-hmm. middle. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's the bit I'm obsessed with within right. the creative world. I'm just like, that's the cool bits that everybody wants to wants be in. To be in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't know how you get there, it just happens. And then all of a sudden you get the other side and you're like, I was there, but I'm not there anymore. How weird.
0: It. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other things I was going to ask you is what is your favorite thing about being dyslexic? Because I know that's a very weird question, <laughs> yes, and I don't well. think it's one that anybody with some type of neurodiversity ever thinks about is why is what you have a good thing? Like, how has it positively um, impacted your life?
1: Um, I think for me, there's a couple things. One, it just gives me permission just to wander off in my brain um, and have stories and create them to help me think and remember. Mm -hmm. Um, So it gives me permission to play. Um, But because I didn't go for diagnosis until I was a lot older,
0: it's taught me
1: that although banging your head off a brick wall can hurt, eventually you get through it. So I've learned (laughs) hard work pays off. Okay. And it's given me a lot of determination and grit. And my one dislike at, and love at the same time, it's like Marmite, um, is you can't do that. If you tell me that, and I said that in my presentation, I will yeah. prove you wrong. Right. I, I yeah, I don't like it when somebody says you can't do that. I'm like, really? Oh yeah, I can. Yeah, I can, mm. very much so.
0: <laughs> or like, are you, are you sure that's what you want to do? I think maybe you could do something else. like, why are you telling me yeah. to do something else?
1: Yeah, and then, I always find that interesting somebody does because I think that's their fear, not our fear. That's them worried that maybe we're going to fail or they want to yeah, rescue exactly. you. But actually, we need to do it to try it. To see and if we I don't think there is a thing as failing I think it's you learn you might trip and fall but you get up and you get on with it again mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah
0: so if you were gonna give tips to somebody that is interested in doing art therapy which I feel like probably needs to be more art, ther- art therapists out there but if somebody was interested in 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 doing what you do what kind of tips would you give them in terms of if they're dyslexic or maybe not dyslexic mm-hmm. is there a a type of school they should go to, should they study art, shouldn't they study art, should they just do art by themselves?
1: Yeah. so there are entry requirements to get to do it. You have to do a master's in art therapy and it's registered by the Healthcare Professionals Council so we're on register just like doctors so you get struck off if you muck up. Um, So there are things you have to go through so you have to have generally done a form of an art degree. Okay. But if you're slightly older, you can do, like, a psychology degree or something. You might have a kind of different background. So you have to have a first degree before you go and do the master's. Right. But And okay. you have to have done something within a caring profession for about a year before. Oh, then. wow. So it, it's quite, quite intense. Yeah. But actually, what I would say is throw all of that out the window. Like, don't worry about meeting requirements because I think it's... This is me just saying this, I, I firmly believe if a path is meant for you, you'll walk it without realising it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think do the things you love. So if you enjoy doing art, do art. Go and play and enjoy it. People say art degrees are useless. I met loads of people <laughs> yeah. and they were creative and they understood the way that I thought and I was mixing with people from so many different backgrounds I never had before. Mm. I was away from home, which was awesome. Um, and it just inspired me to do different things. I saw people working in different ways. And then I just found that I like to care for people. So, okay, what can I do? And then art therapy kind of landed in my lap, but I was already working in an after school club. So for me. Right.
0: So the dots kind of connected. Yeah,
1: it was all just like part of a natural cycle. So I, I left school at 16 and started art then, and then went studying at 23, but graduated in it at 26 or 10 years later. I ended up there.
0: That's really cool.
1: So, I, I, yeah, I really think, like, anybody leaving school or anything, I, I think there's too much pressure now. Um, and there was when I was at school. What are you going to be? What do you want to <laughs> do? Oh, dear Lord, don't worry about it. I'm thir- nearly 37. I'm in a transitional point of going. I love doing art therapy, but it's emotionally intense. I really want to create more picture books for people that are having emotional difficulties. Right. Um, so I'm in that bit of, do I want to stay being that therapist, or do mm. I want to use those skills really solely as an illustrator? And I'm 37, and I'm mixed with women that are a lot younger than me and a lot older, and. I've seen women transition, um, and I say women because that's generally what is in the therapy profession, it's not that, I don't mix with men, it's not that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I needed to say that, but um, <laughs> I'm really privileged to see so many people shift mm-hmm. through their life, and I think that's what life is there for, just because you pick one road, don't necessarily mean you've got to stick to it, so don't panic, like when you're at school, don't worry about it, like it's, it's not worth it, it's yeah. Really
0: not. You totally answered my next question because my next question was going to be, "What would you say to encourage like other people?" But that's no, I'm really glad that you you segued into that because um, this I think there's 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 so much stigma uh, in school and just work and education, even in the workforce. Like I mm-hmm. know here at Codebase, um, they have the Code Clan, which helps people who want to change career path and yeah. get into like maybe visual marketing or like coding or you know design illustration and all of this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and with hopefully the promise of a job and I just remember looking at some of those people's um, kind of review of the year they spent learning everything they learned Mm -hmm. and how scared they were to like take the risk yeah. And take the plunge and try change career because they hated that the, the career that they were stuck in. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's such a a gap there in school to tell kids that look, you can be or or that you feel called to do because I think yeah. there's such a big deal. it's like okay, you've got to be a lawyer or you've got to be a doctor and you've got to be all these things because. So thank you, really is, is is what I'm trying to say for for encouraging people. My my last question was going gonna be. Do you feel, cause I know you mentioned about your, about the possible change of career. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you want to maybe, you mentioned about doing books. Mm-hmm. So are you feeling like you want to go into the whole like resource side of things and like write books? I mean, write books, but like draw books, obviously, mm-hmm. that you feel like can help small, like small people, <laughs> kids.
1: They are small, kids, kids, Yeah, small. they're small people. I can I mean. a small person. <laughs>
0: I'm sure. <laughs> like kids and then obviously adults because you mentioned that you've yeah. you've run into adults who obviously they've they probably they've met you and benefited mm-hmm. either from a conversation or benefited b from seeing something you've done or yeah. benefited from the help you've given to their kid because kids always learn something mm-hmm. go home and share it with their parents and their parents are like why didn't I ever think of of that? And it's like, that helped them. Yeah. So what do you think, have you had much thought about?
1: I'm just thinking there's so many questions in (laughs) there. My brain's going, compute them, compute them, answer them. I I guess the easiest way for me is to kind of take a step back and say where the transition in career is kind of coming from a little bit, because Mm -hmm. I work really, really, really hard and qualified, or you don't qualify, you just get your master's um, in illustration. And it was awesome, okay. and I was on cloud nine, and then I landed a really prestigious um, job managing a big charity in Edinburgh um, oh, wow. as a therapist, which is awesome, I worked really, really hard, and then I got very, very ill.
0: Um, right, okay. And I think
1: I, I might have mentioned this when I did my presentation. I got diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. So yes, I, I remember ME. what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so I still struggle with that um, okay. now and again, not as much as I used to. But I had about a year where I struggled just to do one thing in a day for a little bit. I couldn't walk. It was pretty wow. mind blowing. The strange, um, but that has shifted my perspective quite a bit on what I want to do, what causes me stress, what makes me happy, what my body can take, and actually what's life actually about. Um, And it's about doing the things that you love. And I love working with kids. The therapy is quite hard going. Um, Mm And I just think what fills my heart full of joy is when I think about creating picture books that tackle challenging subjects. And I was actually, that was what my degree dissertation was all about, was al- oh, wow. alchemy. Again, that word alchemy. Okay. Picture books and alchemy and how they can have a magical therapeutic um quality to them anyway how you can read them and get something from them a bit like the podcast you know people are going to project part of themselves into it Mm -hmm. they're going to hear what they want to and the same i think illustrations and images can do the same and i love the idea of picture books for all ages i i don't think they should be just for little people i think they should be for big people people because images can just speak so many words Mm -hmm. of languages that literally words can't they can encapsulate it all so for me um yeah i'm at the point that i'm going right how do i do this how how, how do i manage to do this seamlessly <clears throat> it's not going to be seamlessly at all right and it doesn't matter if it's not um i'm just envisaging that it's going to work it's going to be good and there might be some ups and downs but i'm going to have a go and see what happens
0: okay. Does that
1: answer that yeah
0: no that's kind of great answer thank yeah. you yeah, yeah. So a big huge thank you to Laura Cave McGowan again for being on the podcast show. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed today's episode and really got some interesting information about uh, if you want to be an illustrator or you want to do anything to do with art therapy, definitely hit up Laura because she knows what she's talking about. Thank you also to Codebase Tech Edinburgh for making this possible and for being a sponsor. You guys are legendary and I really appreciate you guys. If anybody is looking for any information about this show, you can find that information below in the show notes for this episode and I will catch you guys in the next episode which will be episode 6 but until then, have a great weekend, whatever it is you're doing wherever you are, have a Kit Kat, not really. Kit Kat is not sponsoring this episode. Uh stay blessed. God bless. Peace.